Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest episode of the Cortellini-ish podcast. I'm your host, Zach Lowy. Here today with a very special, unique episode of Cortellini-ish. Uh, today, I am here with, for the first time in our history, uh, with more than one guest. I'm here with two guests, Albert Carter Phillips and Barney Carter Phillips. How are you two doing today? We're very good, Zach. Thank you for revealing the government names uh, 30 seconds in. <laughs> no, we're good, man. We're delighted to be here. It's a great um, it's a great pleasure for me and Barney to be here. I don't know if we've told you this already, but me and Barney have listened to the show pretty much since it started, I believe. Um, I remember very clearly during the first series of the Portolinias texting Barney pretty much the day the show came out being like, man, have you listened to the show this week? It's so good. So uh, we're both big admirers of what you do. Um, we want to say big congratulations for all the work that you've done on the show. And yeah, it's a pleasure to be here, man. We're delighted. Well, I was just going to say, I remember listening to your show when it started and thinking, what the hell are we doing, man? Like, you're, just <laughs> a, you're on another level, man. Zach. So yeah, thank you so much for having us on. It's a real, real pleasure. Honestly, I, I did want to uh, start off by, by just going over your success, honestly. I, I think that, you know, and, and that's why I have never considered you guys rivals, but just really just another member in this growing community that is the English language uh, Portuguese football, you know, analysis. I think that's something that, that has really grown over the past decade or so. And I, I really do credit your podcast as well to, to helping grow that. You know, I, I was talking to uh, Tom Cunder back in November. Who I, I definitely consider Tom to be the godfather of English language Portuguese football content. I don't know if you've had a chance to uh, talk with him, but really interesting, you know, meeting him. And he, he talked about really what, what we are enjoying right now, right? This uh, English language, but, but not just English, as we saw French language as well. Last week, my guest, Mateo Quivero, um, you know, a very good Braga fan. Uh, definitely check out that episode if you haven't yet. But really just this English language, con- English language, uh, shall we say, community, right? That stretches from the United States, Canada, England. I mean, I'm curious, what do you, what do you, to, what do you owe that uh, growth, that new, you know, pattern to? Well, I think it's very generous that you describe this as part of the community. It's obviously something that um, we're aware of as well. You know, as you say, there's, there's a real wealth of, English language content out there at the moment and the thing I like as well is that I think you've got something for everybody there's all different ends of the spectrum I think I would describe something like you do Zach on the Cortellinas as something um, quite highbrow you know it's always really high content high quality content great guests uh, great analysis I think me and Barney would like to think we're kind of somewhere in the middle you know we try and be informative and we try and keep people up to date with what's going on but then also you know we're not adverse to just going on a 10 minute rant about how much we love a Delta app, you know, which play, which manages the best dress manager in the league. You know, you'll hear a little bit of that from us, of course. And then, you know, as you say, um, just plenty, plenty of good content from all ends of the spectrum, good fan content as well. Like the sporting 160M podcast, fantastic podcast dedicated to sporting. There's some great people doing uh, multiple Benfica podcasts. So, like you said, it does seem like there's a, a real boom at the moment, a real wealth of, wealth of content. We're, we're delighted to be a very small part of that. You know, it's, it's a really nice community at the moment. And I think um, the reason we started our podcast was because we knew there was this, this, this league in Portugal producing like 
incredible talent. You know, we had players coming over to the Premier League and we were seeing and like, wow, this is incredible. And we obviously got stuck, you know, we saw glimpses of these teams in the Champions League and, and but then we wanted to dig a little deeper, right? And I think as an English speaker myself, and I don't speak any other language, is uh, it was, where can I get that information? And I think there's quite a lot of people like that. Like, as Albert mentioned, there are the, the you know, the big three have incredible fan bases all over the world. But then there's this, I think there's this new generation of football fan that just wants that bit more information. And, you know, this league is fantastic for talent, like up and like, across the whole table. And I think that's what really... Yeah, got us to start in this podcast, and that's what so many uh, of uh, ours and your listeners like are looking for that that sort of a bit more information on this on this league. Long ball football definitely worth your attention if you haven't yet. Both as a Twitter account uh, as well as a podcast. Really excited to have them on. Uh, you know, just going back, w- one of my main goals on Cortellinius this season uh, is to have a fan of every single Primera team. Uh, we are missing a few teams such as Estoril, Tondela, Morerens, Belenenc, Saad. Uh, that, that one's probably going to be easier said than done. Uh, and, and, and Vizela as well. But, but actually, we have somebody we are going to be discussing a Vizela about next, uh, next month on Cortellinius. So definitely stay tuned for that. Uh, I have to ask, though, Albert Barney. Do you support any Primera or Portuguese team in general? You know, we have been asked this question before um, about whether we have like a bias towards to one club because, you know, we present ourselves as a as a neutral podcast about the Primera Liga. The genuine, honest answer is no, we do not support one club. That said, we're always open about the fact that some seasons, some weeks, some months, we might have a favourite team or we might just have a team that we're really into, I think. This season, Gil Vicente has been a big one. You know, people will hear us talking about them every week on the show just because we kind of love the story. Um, I think last season, we'll be honest to say, we probably got quite caught up in Sporting's title race, you know, winning the first league in 19 years. So we, of course, are, are football fans. We do this because we love football and, and we, we, are, we enjoy getting immersed in a good story, a good narrative. But um, genuinely and wholeheartedly, you know, we do not have uh, one club bias or something like that each. And I think uh, for me, like I've never really had a, I've been a football fan like most of my life. But I've never had a team. I, I like I love players. I think I fall in love with individuals. And so, Paul Scholes used to be my guy, for example. But now, like you know, I, I, I just I, I'll find a few players and I'll just latch onto them and, and try and follow their journey as well. Uh, what about you, Zach? Are you uh, have you got any alliances? <laughs> so another question that you know a lot of people have asked me. Uh, <laughs> to be honest with you, I really just. I typically root for the smaller teams uh, in Portugal to to win. Um, although, for for example, for a team like Gil Vicente, I was really rooting for them to defeat Marichmo at the weekend. Unfortunately, they were unable to do so. But you know, I am cheering them on to secure that Europa League spot over Braga. I tend to root for you know those smaller sides. Um, I I do have a good relationship. Uh, with Amit Singh, who is the uh, engineer behind this Pamalikao side. Um, and I had the chance as well to to meet uh, Pamalikao's um, press officer, as well as their president, um, and who, who delivered me a Charles Pickle shirt. <laughs> Amazing. 
So, you know, I was, able, I was able to tour the Malikov Stadium and overall, it, it was a very nice experience. And yeah, I, de- I definitely have a very good relationship with them. But um, no, I, I do not support any team in particular. I think we have a very different relationship with Family Cow, Zach. Uh, I went to Family Cow. I went to the stadium. It poured down with rain constantly the whole time. They've got a stand there. I don't know if any of the listeners have been. They've got an uncovered stand. I don't know who they think, why they think that's a good idea. I stood in the rain for an hour again, absolutely drenched. My phone broke because of the rain and I had to go and get a, an, an hour-long train and wait at this train station for, for 45 minutes before I went home. I think we've got different perspectives of family car. I, I, I respect them as a club, um, but yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but, you know, I had a very special, I, special project between these two podcasts, and, and that was the top 25 players um, of the 2021-22 Primera Liga season. So, uh, really excited about this special episode. So, in, in addition to the weekend's action, we are going to be discussing our top 25 players uh, of the league season so far. Still got seven games, eight games left in the Primera Liga campaign. So, you know, plenty of stuff that could happen. But overall, plenty enough time has passed for us to, you know, be able to develop opinions about our top 25 players unranked in the Primera Liga so far this season. Right. Who was the kickoff, Barney? <laughs> <laughs> but I think this was a, I think this was a really fun little uh, thing to do really, because there, there's been, of course, there's been some very obvious success stories, but I also think there's players in, you know, some of the teams that are at the bottom that are still having a successful season themselves, but obviously, um, being part of a, a team that's not doing so well might not seem like they are on uh, on the surface. Um, I mean, I think that we're going to have a lot of crossover as well. So I don't know if we want to. Um, I just sort of knocked my list out in terms of uh, where the, I went through each team through as we as I went down the table and that sort of um, picks people. So I guess should we start with Porto, which uh, uh, I've got a fair few of, of players from that team in the twenty-five. I had a Taremi's the first person I wanted to talk about. In terms of, I think I've gone through a bit of a, a journey this season with Taremi because uh, I had a I had a high expectation of uh, how many goals he was going to get this season, and I think earlier at the beginning of the season and, and around winter time that didn't seem to be doing it, and I and I I I put a lot of I think I put too much pressure on him in that sense because what he's really shown me is the, is the guy can contribute in, in in not just goals in assists and and the way. Like he's he's a twenty nine year old striker from Iran, and the way this guy is just like taken to this league, and now he's at this top top Porto team, he's just absolutely delivering. And I think he's he's I've I've certainly underrated him this season as well. I want to, I'm trying to say I think I think it, this guy's just such a good striker. I think it's a funny one, isn't it? Because there does seem to be this kind of air of underachievement around Taremi, not justified but there just seems to be that perception of him this season I wonder where that's come from I think he hasn't got a great reputation by some fans deservedly or undeservedly in terms of diving I don't really want to get involved in that debate but I think perhaps that maybe contributes to people's perceptions of him I think he's also had an interesting season because in some ways he's had to almost adapt to being the second favourite to Evan Nilsson maybe amongst Porto fans maybe amongst everyone really um in terms of numbers, of course, that's definitely not justified. 
I mean, Mediterranean's contributed 26 goals this season, 14 goals, 12 assists. That's an incredible number. Evan Nilsson, on the other hand, has only contributed 15 with 11 goals, four assists. So it's a really interesting one with Mediterranean that for some reason, that, like I said, there's just been this perception of him that he's not quite been at it this season. Couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, he's a, he's a fantastic player and he's got a phenomenal story as well. Um, Portugal, as Brian alluded to, is the only country he's played in in Europe. Um, he's only played for Rio Ave and Porto. Signed on a free agent from 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 Qatar to Rio Ave and comes in and has, has been a phenomenal, phenomenal striker. You know, 29 years old, that kind of age profile, you wonder whether there's really going to be another move for him, whether there's going to be a bigger club. I think he's in a great place at Porto. I think he's in a great league. You know, he's got a club that will be challenging for the Champions League and the contributions that he's made have been absolutely phenomenal. Absolutely. Mediterrami on his day is the best center forward in Portugal. Uh, I do think that we have seen a lot more inconsistency from him and also, you know, having to adapt to not being the first choice option, as you mentioned, uh, to Evan Nielsen. Both Evan Nielsen and Taremi make my top 25. Let's talk a little bit more about about the younger Brazilian, though, because, Mm. you know, he arrived from Fluminense in the summer of 2020, was the fourth choice center forward, fourth choice behind Meritaremi, Musa Marega, and Tony Martinez. Gone from fourth choice to a starter. Uh, and an absolutely incredible breakout season under Sergio Conceição. Is Evan Ilshin the new kid on the block in Portugal after Luis Diaz has left? Well, I think it would be an interesting one about what kind of stature he can take because at the moment, I don't think he's at that level, but he's definitely showing a lot of promise. I mean, he's a young player. You know, he's got the luxury of time on his side and he's still achieved so much. Um, as you say, it's quite incredible that the, the difference he's made since last season. Um, you know, I thought, like you, I thought perhaps that Tony Martinez would be the one to step up now that Marek has gone. And of course, it's been Evan Nielsen. Um, similarly, so maybe a couple of other players that I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention in this list. I think he was unfairly, uh, unfairly judged in his first short spell uh, in Porto. I think people were a little bit too quick to write him off. He looks fantastic. Um, he's quite an old school striker, which is what I like. You know, there's a lot of modern strikers around who um, have attributes that Evan Wilson doesn't have and, you know, good for them. But I like I like him because he's a little bit old school. He knows where the back of the net is. He's, he's quite physical. Um, he's a good poacher. Uh, and yeah, you know, like I said, I think he's got 11 goals for the season. Let's see how many he can get up to before the season ends and then, Hopefully he's still with us next season and he can push on from there and and take his game to even even bigger heights. Part of me is um a little skeptical about how he got into this team this season because I think I do think there's an element of perhaps Conchal being told that this guy is is our moneymaker. It's not Tremi, it's not Tony Martinez. You need to start playing and we need to sort of we need to get we need to get this guy not in, in the shop window, but we need to, you know, at least get him out there so people can see what he's got. But, you know, s- saying that, it, despite it taking a little time for him to kick on, I think now he has, you know, the, the talent was obviously there the whole time. I think he's got a, a really good instinct. I think what has improved as the season's progressed is, is um, certainly his, his confidence, but I think his touch, you know, sometimes I, I just, you see that this, this, the skill on the ball is... is really quite something in the box in tight spaces um so yeah i think uh 
I think that's that's what's really impressed me is that we're seeing a, a real skillful young striker come onto the scene now, and I think he's certainly going to be because he hasn't done enough to warrant a, a move to a bigger club at the moment. As he, I think we are going to see him here next season, and um, and and that will only, only help him and and Porto. Absolutely, will be very interesting to see if he is the next South American to get a big move out of Porto after Luis Diaz, who. We are not going to include in this list, despite the fact that I think we can all agree he has been the best player in Portugal this season. Uh, it was an absolute privilege to watch his growth. But yeah, we are not going to include him or other January departures, such as Alicante. Any other players on Porto you'd like to go over? Well, I'm sure we've all got, I'm going to assume, Vitinha. And I wonder if we've all put Fabio Vieira as well. Fabio Vieira was on was also on my list. I see Zach's make a face. <laughs> no, 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 no. Proceed, proceed. So I think, yeah, for me, those two players, I, I see a lot of similarities in those two players, not necessarily in the way they play, but in the way they've come into come into the Porto team. They, they almost seem to be having the same trajectory, although Vitinha started in the team a little bit sooner. There was a point when Vitinha was kind of in and out of the team. The fans were calling for him to start. And then he does eventually make that breakthrough as a as a solid start, and I think we're seeing that now with Fabio Vieira, who more and more is becoming a uh, a fixture of that starting eleven. I mean, Vitina just is just a joy to watch. It's a cliche, but he's just every time you watch a Porto Porto game, you know you're going to get a little masterclass from from that guy. Um, Barney made a joke early in the season that pretty much every week we were just going to reel off uh, Vitina's passing stats because every week this guy was just was just passing the ball around for fun. It was a joy to watch. And then Fabio Vieira, a slightly different player, um, I guess more advanced playmaker, often comes off the right, contribute with a good goal at the weekend, of course. Um, taking a little bit longer for him to get into the starting eleven, but I think genuinely in those two players, Porto have got two absolute stars. Um, I, yeah, selfishly, I would love to see them play Portugal for as long as possible. I'm sure they'll have to move on at some point, but while they're here, I think we've just got two absolute gems on our hand that are a joy to watch. I think with, I mean, Vitinha was yeah, definitely in my list and I, I was also incredibly happy to see him called up to the national team uh, this weekend with uh, Ruben Neves uh, uh, coming out. I think that was, I think he deserved to be there uh, in merit anyway and not, um, not filling in the gap because he's, he's I think what he's shown is uh, a player of his um, physicality in, in that position I, instinctively I didn't think it, it doesn't seem right I, obviously he's slightly diminutive and uh, not strong but it, that's not his game he doesn't need to be strong because because the guy can move he, he's so intelligent um, and the, the uh, to, to use another cliche the way he just dictates the tempo I, I find that I, I really like to use that phrase to describe the way he plays because he's just he just he just sees passes and just he, he, because there has been an evolution in this Porto team compared to last season with Conchasau. He's really had to, he's, the team's completely changed, uh, almost turned on its head but in the way it started play because, and mainly due to the Fatinia coming in and being that midfield player to, to offer something completely different. I think um, I didn't include Fabio Vieira because uh, for me, he hasn't played enough, uh, as fantastic as it's been in there and the stats are unreal for the, the minutes he's played. Uh, and also, he is a, a, another um, like a, a prime example of how this Porto team has changed compared to last season. But I feel like 
yeah, I was I was just a little perhaps I'm perhaps like you might think I'm being harsh, but I I, I couldn't include Fabio Vieira just because of the, the the minutes that he's played this season. I I did not include Fabio Vieira either due to the lack of minutes. Um, you know, he has produced when he's been given opportunities by Sergio Conceição, but overall has not uh, played enough for me. But he has been delivering, as we saw, you know, at, at the weekend. Um, and overall, I, I, it's, it's, a, it's a tricky one because you've got the likes of Wenderson Galeno, Pepe on the wings, uh, you've got Vitinha, Mateo Suribe in midfield, Evan Nielsen and Meritaremi up top. You know, how do you fit Fabio Vieira into your strongest eleven if you're Sergio Conceição? I think that's that's the that's the question for me as well. I think I think he looks at his best playing with just one striker ahead of him and just being that the weekend was a prime example of this guy can find space, he can get in dangerous positions. I think that is his real strength. So, you know. Like I was talking about earlier, the fact that I perhaps Evan Nielsen might not move on in the summer. Taremi with his age, I can't imagine seeing getting a move as well. He could struggle to to get into this team unless he plays out on the wing, which for me isn't necessarily his best position. You know, one of the biggest direct competitors to Fabio Vieira is Otavio. For me, he was in my top 25. I'm curious, was he in either of yours? Yeah, I had him. Interesting because then I left him out. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. That's why is that? <laughs> well, again, I do really like Otavio. I think again, this seems harsh, especially when I consider some of the, the smaller players that I, I've got in my list. But I think for me, when I was thinking about Porto players that I want to include, I put Fabio in ahead. I just, I don't know. I, you know, probably I haven't got the evidence to back this up. I just feel like Fabio Vieira is a more naturally gifted footballer. I think Otavio is a great asset to your team. I think he's the type of player that you love to play with. People hate playing against him. He's a real kind of um, what's the phrase? He's a kind of he's a, he's quite an aggressive character, but he doesn't often go over the top. I like I do like having that kind of player in your squad. I think it's very valuable, and I think he's technically gifted as well. But like I said, for me when I when I was looking at that midfield, I, I just took Vieira and Vitinha ahead of him. It could you know I think you can definitely justify having him in the squad though. I think the the difference for me though is is Conchasal very much has gone against his grain and and really tinkered with his team for as throughout the season. We've seen lots of combinations of players, and the one constant for me is Otavio. He will just fill in any almost anywhere you want to play him if 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 he tries like if, if Conchasal is trying different things and 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 the the biggest thing for me why I included Otavio is mainly because of leadership. I think I felt. Last season, Sergio Oliveira was that character in, in that Porto team. When they, when they needed someone, he would dig them out. He would he would do something and uh, just set a, a real example for the for the team. And I think I think Otavio has done that for them this season. I think he's been that character, and and that's been uh, that's been something this team certainly has has needed. I think because with with the with the change in personnel they've seen in, in the starting eleven, I think they needed a character like him to come in. And, and you know, this guy is Porto, and 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 he's just. He's, he, I'm not going to say talisman, but he's 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 up there and sort of being that sort of figurehead for for the team, and I think that is is been so important for their success. Yeah, I am going with so far Vitinha. Uh, if I if I had to rank them, I would definitely put Vitinha in my top five, as well as Otavio, Meritaremi, Evan Nielsen, and uh, curious, 
Mateus Uribe. I'm going with Uribe in my top 25. For me, he has definitely been the guy to uh, do the dirty work in midfield and to allow the more creative players, you know, the freedom to shine further forward. Been really sensational, not just in breaking up uh, attacks and winning the ball back, but also going forward. You know, I think that uh, you you definitely see his importance more when when he doesn't play than when he does. You know, he's one of those players. For me, he's in my top 25. That's very interesting. I think um, I haven't included him, but quite possibly that was an oversight on my part because I think what you're saying is spot on. I think he does, as you say, the job that's often overlooked, that defensive midfield role, so often undervalued uh, in, in, in football in general. And yeah, I, you're right. I think last year, Polina had the title of the best defensive midfielder in Portugal. I think, you know, considering he's not been quite the, the player he was last season, I think Uribe would probably take that. Albert, uh, last minute substitutions are allowed ahead of that. <laughs> if, if you have to... Well, I will say that I, I had him, I had a chancel in Bemba and Diogo Costa on my list, so perhaps I'd switch him for Mbemba. I will just say to justify myself before I can already hear, you would switch out Mbemba. Possibly, yes, I would switch out Mbemba because I want. I did want to include Mbemba because I think he has been slightly underrated this season. And also, when I was kind of thinking about this in terms of positions, it's obviously very easy to include the attacking players, the creative players. I wanted to look at what defenders to include. I think interestingly, there is a kind of a dearth of real, real top quality centre backs in Portugal right now. I mean, Coates last year was was phenomenal. I don't think he's done anything wrong this season. Um, perhaps he hasn't quite stood out in the way he did last season. There's no, there's no Ruben Diaz, you know. So, I think Mbemba has has been an important figure in that Porto backline. We saw Pep be injured for quite quite a lengthy period, and and Mbemba, Mbemba seems to be. Um, a solid figure. As I'm saying this, like, I'm, I'm pretty much thinking, yeah, Aribe is probably better than him. But there you go. He was on my list. <laughs> <laughs> ah, victory at last. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I'll come clean as well. I didn't have Aribe. I did have Diego Costa. But I think what, I think in this discussion with, with the, the, the amount of Porto players we've mentioned, I think what this does show is that, you know, this is a, I, I find this team so interesting because if, if he were to, I think that could be a better place to just deny, but like if you compare this to Porto teams of the past, you know, when you had players like Falcao, Holt, superstars, like the, the proper standout players. But that that's what's interesting about this team is that they obviously Diaz was that player, Luis Diaz and, and but the, the rest of them they're they're not superstars, but they, they are just players who are just organized well and, and are just hard, hard workers and and it's yeah, I think that's what I, I love about this Porto team is that it's a collection of players that are really, really, really just playing so well this season. Absolutely. Yeah, I am not going to pick Mbemba just like I'm not going to pick Fabio Vieira. But uh, I will acknowledge that Mbemba has done well in, in previous weeks and has really gotten back to his uh, last season's form of one of, if not the best centre-back in Portugal, really getting into top form ahead of a summer that will see him all but all but certainly end his time at the Estadio do Dragao. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, where he ends up moving. I definitely don't think that Porto have to worry about uh, Diogo Costa moving. And I've got Diogo Costa in my top 25, uh, a player who 
I've had such high expectations for, you know, over the past few years, a player who had really struggled, I think, to to find a consistent amount of playing time under Sergio Conceição until uh, after the U21 Euros, right? And that's when we saw likes of Fabio Vieira, Vitinha, Diogo Costa taking advantage of an injury from Agustin Marquesin, starting the season very well and uh, maintaining that starting spot after Marquesin's return. Um, a player who I think will mark a decade at the club level and hopefully the international level. We'll see what happens. I'm curious, how do you guys rank uh, Diogo Costa in comparison to Portugal's other younger options, such as Luis Maximiano? And both of you have uh, Diogo Costa in your top 25? Yeah, correct. Um, I mean, he's been a revelation this season. I think it's been, it's been, a, it's been a great story. Like you say, to keep much sin out of the team, <clears throat> excuse me, to keep much sin out of the team, I think is very impressive considering how, how much Kutasa relied on much in the uh, last season. And, and he's been phenomenal. He, he's barely put a foot wrong. He, he absolutely deserves that Porto starting spot. In terms of keepers in this league, I think you, you could comfortably argue that he's the best goalkeeper in the league, I'm sure. Um, sporting and Benfica fans would, you know, like to have a conversation about that, but it's definitely a debate to be had. And, and at such a young age, it's a really promising sign, as you say, for Portugal as well. It doesn't seem like Portugal have got any issues finding a goalkeeper at the moment. I saw Jose Sar wasn't even included in the national team, so it seems like they've got plenty of good goalkeeping options at the moment. Um, I don't know enough about Maximiano to really compare him. I did like him as well, and it seems like he's doing a great job. Is he in Spain now, Zach? He's at Granada right now. Yeah, and I, and I know he's doing a good job there. I don't watch enough Spanish football to really comment on him, but in Diogo Costa, definitely a really, really good prospect for the future Portuguese national team goalkeeper, definitely. I feel like he's he's another one though, right? What I was talking earlier about Evan Nilsson, like would he have got that opportunity on the on the conscious hour if it hadn't if Conchisau's hand hadn't been forced with Marshall in the street? I think that's an interesting but what I mean, yeah. Like how, like you both said, what really stood out for me is that he took his chance and he he hasn't let go of it once this season. Like that. it's interesting that you said, did you do you picture him staying at Porto for another decade? Do you think, or do you think, do you see him? No, I, 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 if he continues at this rate, I definitely would see him going to a top European club such as Manchester United. I think mm. that his technical ability and his shot stopping ability, I honestly think he would make an ideal replacement for David De Gea. 